This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal Transfer Show. Join you every morning at 8am UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Uh, first of all, an apology on my end. Apologies if there's any sniffles or coughs or sneezes. I've woken up and I'm not feeling in the best of uh, best of shape today. It's um, it's not a hangover, as I've told you guys. We're cutting down on the drinking. So it wasn't uh, yesterday evening, even though certainly England fans across the country may have felt like drinking themselves into oblivion. Um, yes, it wasn't uh, It wasn't the best evening. We'll talk a bit about that more. It wasn't because of that. I'm genuinely just not feeling great. Puffy eyes, um, yeah, sniffling and all of that stuff. So it might be a shorter show today than usual, but I still wanted to bring you the news. Uh, so here I am. So do drop a like on the video. Do subscribe to the channel if you are indeed enjoying the content. As I say, plenty of you aren't subscribed. I checked the numbers. It tells me. Um, but uh, yes, let's let's move on uh, to saying good morning to people joining us in the chat box that are feeling probably a lot better than I am. Good morning to Matt. Uh, good morning to Blackshine, to Kaiser, to Stephen, to Lynn. Good morning to Stevie. Uh, Louis, Jose, Granddaddy, Guna. Uh, good morning to Canoe uh, and Paul. Uh, good morning to Harvey. Uh, we've got uh, who else is in the chat box? Uh, we've got uh, JDB Skuksh. Uh, we've got uh, Carl. We've got Temi, Marcus, Daniel, and plenty more of you guys as well. Uh, let's. Uh, yeah, Nate says I'm not doing good or well. That's that's completely fair, Nate. This morning. Um, Arsenal uh, star boy Bakaya Saka uh, was on the losing end uh, with England in a World Cup quarterfinal against France. Uh, 2-1 defeats. Uh, Ramsdale, of course, didn't take part in the game. But uh, yeah, it's it's very disappointing. And I'm very disappointed. You know, I am an England fan. I was born in England and have followed England, therefore, throughout the course of my lifetime. Um, And uh, it is obviously disappointing to see them head out of the competition. Of course it is. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you have to look at the positives, and I am looking at the positives, and that's that Bakaya Saka 
uh, came back unscathed and also that uh, Aaron Ramsdale, of course, will come back unscathed and both of them will be fit and ready and available for that game against West Ham on Boxing Day, uh, the 10-day break, of course, that players are allowed, although I'm sensing a lot of players aren't actually that fussed about whether or not they come back uh, after that 10 days or a certain amount of days. I mean, Granite Xhaka came back ridiculously early. Um, I think he went straight from the World Cup to the actual tournament. So, yeah, I, I think that this is good in the sense of them coming back, but it's not good. In short, on the game, I haven't seen a worse referee in performance in quite some time. Genuinely one of the worst referees I've ever seen. Maybe Was it an English referee that refereed the Brazil game? I think we had a Brazilian referee last night. Maybe that had something to do with it. Um, the amount of tackles and fouls that weren't given was madness. Um, really mad, really, really mad. Um, but ultimately, I thought that England were the better team on the night. I thought that France played the game that they needed to play, which is hit England on the counter when they needed to. They had a good, better first half. But I think England were considerably better in, in the second half. And uh, ultimately, Harry Kane is to blame um, for England not progressing. Awful penalty. Um, would I have asked anyone else to take it? No, because he's England's penalty taker and he's England's best penalty taker. Was he Colombian, Lynn? My bad. Uh, there you go. So nothing to do with Brazil. Someone said to me he was Brazilian. I'm not sure why. So if he was Colombian, then there's no... Uh, it's not, I don't think England have ever knocked Colombia out of a tournament. So there's no backstory there. Um, but uh, goodness me, just, yeah, Harry Kane, awful penalty, terrible, terrible decision. Um, and uh, he could have just calmly slotted it. He clearly wanted to put it down the middle because that's where he hit it. Just could have calmly kicked it down the middle. Didn't need to absolutely blast it. Of course, Lloris was already diving. And if you're going to hit it down the middle, it doesn't really matter how hard you hit it, really. Um, and... Because if your keeper's going to stay in the middle, he's going to save it. So if you're going to put it in the middle, just calmly slot it down. But yeah, he didn't. Um, a lot of the talk has been around Bakaya Saka shouldn't have been subbed. I don't really have an issue with him being subbed. He was absolutely shattered. There was a run that he made right before he was substituted, which I think probably actually led to the substitution. He was running back to chase after Carter to kind of help Carl Walker and uh, push on Ter Hernandez and Mbappe. And he was shattered. He just stopped running. Like he just stopped because he just knew that he was done at that point. And uh, he looked shattered for about 10 minutes before he was substituted as well. The issue for me, um, you're right, Paul, they did beat Colombia, absolutely, in a penalty shootout. Um, anyway, I keep going off on these tangents. But um, yeah, I, I think that he was absolutely done by that point. But the issue for me was that we didn't bring on Rashford for, for Saka. Bringing on Sterling, I really don't know what that brought Um at all. Uh, I, I, he'd just come back from, of course, a horrible situation at home, whereas Rashford had been at the tournament, scoring goals in good form. Why would you not bring Rashford on over Sterling? I didn't really understand that one. So, yeah, uh, that's a shame. But England are out. And now I'll be hoping that Messi and Argentina can, uh, can go and claim it. Or, of course, uh, Morocco, who had a amazing record-breaking day yesterday, becoming the first African nation uh, to progress to the semi-finals of a World Cup tournament, beating Portugal, a Portuguese side who I had in the Football London sweepstake. Um, but I don't mind. <laughs> I don't mind because Morocco going through is is certainly uh, an amazing achievement. Uh, Yusuf Naziri, of course, striker that was linked with Arsenal, hadn't really been doing much at the start of the tournament, but has certainly come alive in, in this latter stage. And they defended for their lives. They absolutely dug in. They had injuries to size. Uh, Masraoui didn't start the game. Ajer didn't start the game. 
They had to bring on, uh, I think, was it two defensive substitutions? So they went to a back five as well. With players that I think, I think the guy that came on for Saiz, uh, 23-year-old plays for Brest, name escapes me. Um, but uh, he had been like, hadn't been used by Brest in the last four games and comes in and puts in a very, very good performance, as did the rest of them. Really impressive display from Morocco. And uh, it was funny seeing Ronaldo cry down the tunnel, to be honest. I, I really can't stand Ronaldo at all. Uh, so it's always a pleasure to see him uh, upset, to be honest. So, yeah, that was amusing. But a massive congratulations to Mor- Morocco and the African continent, which certainly is improving and developing and progressing as a continent uh, in terms of its footballing quality. So it's great to see that as well. Uh, Austin Trusty and Charlie Patino faced each other yesterday as Birmingham played Charlie, uh, played Charlie, played Blackpool and ran out at a nil-nil draw. Uh, both players, I believe, started the game uh, and uh, Trusty actually played, according to Google anyway, I haven't watched the highlights back, but apparently he played left back in a back four. Uh, he's usually been playing in the left side of a back three, so I'm not sure how um, how accurate that is. But uh, it's an interesting formation if that's where he has indeed played. Of course, we talked a bit about Evan and Dika yesterday, apparently agreeing a deal with Arsenal. If that is the case, you'd have to think that Trusty's position in the Arsenal team is, is certainly going to be a very, very much a challenge to try and get himself into the Arsenal team for the future. Uh, Arsenal ladies will face Aston Villa a little bit later on today at the Emirates Stadium. So if, I think you'd probably still be able to go and get tickets. So if you're watching or wondering if you can do something a little bit later on today, make sure you head down to the Emirates for the women's game. Um, and get yourself down there. I think it would be great for you to go and watch them. Of course, if they win, they can go join again with Chelsea at the top of the table. Definitely uh, a big, big game that Arsenal need to make sure that they win. Oh, sorry, it's at Villa Park. I don't know. I mean, they're wearing pink. Why did I think it was at the Emirates? Why? You can tell I'm ill this morning and not with it whatsoever. (laughs) Anyway, Ben White and Thomas Partey have indeed returned. Um, And uh, this is really good news for Arsenal, of course, because... Uh, the Ben White situation was ongoing and we weren't sure when he was going to return. He has now returned to the team uh, and Thomas Partey as well uh, is back. Matt Turner is also back. So that's three players that could be involved in the game against Milan on Tuesday in that friendly. Uh, if not that, then at least um, uh, at least we can also see uh, them playing the game against Juventus on the 17th as well. So White's back, Partey's back, Turner's back. Uh, really, really good news on that part as well. And that we, as you say, Ben White was away with those personal reasons and we hope that they've been resolved and that he's in the right frame of mind to return. And we hope that everything is, of course, well with him. Um, Per Metazaka has dismissed claims that he will be joining up with the DFB in a potential di- managing director role. Of course, Oliver Bierhoff did uh, remove himself from that position. And uh, Per Metazaka had been reportedly lined up as one of the main candidates for that role. But he has said he's very, very happy at Arsenal and that he's not been contacted about that potential job. Uh, there is no talks going on between Memphis, Depay and Arsenal. According to Fabrizio Romano, the player is still very much unsure about his future. But now the World Cup is over. He is no longer using the tagline of a focusing on the World Cup because the Netherlands are, of course, out and Louis van Hal has, of course, also uh, resigned from his position. And Ronald Koeman is expected to once again take over the job there. Very strange decisions going on at the at, uh, at the Orange. I don't really get it at all. Um, but uh, yeah, Memphis Depay, not in talks of Arsenal, according to Fab. Uh, however, there are reports claiming that Arsenal's interest in Christian Pulisic is indeed real. However, they want to sign him on loan. Uh, that said, Newcastle will decide that I want to sign him on a permanent contract 
and that is expected to trump both Arsenal and Manchester United's interest in taking the American international on a temporary deal until the end of the season, although I don't know why on earth Chelsea would ever accept a loan move for one of their players to Arsenal. Makes no sense whatsoever. But they're the reports claiming indeed that that is the case. And lastly, Joao Felix. Uh, the main story around the Portuguese player is that, of course, he remains open to a leaving Atletico Madrid. And Atletico Madrid apparently are very much open to allowing him to leave. Yet, despite Arsenal saying that he has indeed got uh, in, well, Arsenal having interest apparently in the player, and that's very much a real thing, the 100 million euro price tag associated with him, whether or not it's a loan with an obligation or a permanent contract, is just one step too far for Arsenal. It is just simply not going to happen at 100 million. Arsenal are not going to pay that. I just can't see it. If they did, I would hold my hands up higher than I ever have before, but I'm sorry. Please, please do not get your hopes up about the chance of signing Joao Felix. If it indeed, if it indeed is the case that he's got a price tag of about 100 million that is reported and that continues to come up even today, it's not going to happen. So, in those striker debates that I see everybody having on social media and stuff, when Joao Felix's name is brought up, Please restrain yourself from using his name because it's just not going to happen. Anyway, that brings us to an end of part one. We're going to move to part two and your questions that hopefully I'll be able to answer with some kind of coherent answer because I'm still clearly not with it this morning. Um, but uh, do drop a like, subscribe if you're new, and let's go to part two. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, uh, so part two, uh, and your questions. Uh, let's go to Carl, who says, anything uh, we can respectfully say on the Ben White issues, or is it still rumours? Again, Carl, what I would recommend to you is that the club have told us it's personal issues. You know, if the club come out and say it's a personal problem, I don't really care for speculation. To be honest, I don't really care for uh, people suggesting what it might be based on their own sources. I will wait for this type of situation to be resolved by the club, by the player, or not at all. You know, I know there's an incessant need by people to absolutely want to know what's going on. There is only one thing that matters right now, and that, that's that Ben White is back with the team, that he's training, that he's going to be getting fit, and he's going to be hopefully available. He's been brilliant for us this season. You know, I'm a really big fan of Ben White. I like his attitude. I like everything that he stands for in terms of uh, his football uh, and I, you know, I really enjoyed, even as a journalist, you know, I'm a journalist and I'm one of the people that stands in the mix zone. 
And I know that some, for some people, I don't really know why, um, but for some people, his post-match interviews can get on some people's nerves. Uh, for most people, they see the funny side of it. And even as me, as a journalist, speaking as one of the people that stands in the mix zone, speaking to the players after the game, I think it's hilarious. You know, I'm actually looking forward to a point when he does, and he's brought out into the mix zone, and I can ask the guy a question. I look forward to that moment as a journalist. So, yeah, really uh, keen to see that. But, um, yes, uh, I think that, uh, fingers crossed anyway, that Ben White returns from this small break that he's had. Fully fit, fully focused, and ready to return and play as well. He has been playing for Arsenal. Um, Granddaddy Gunnar says, Hi, Tom. Will you be going to the Emirates on Saturday? Fingers crossed. Hope so. Um, still waiting to hear back uh, about whether or not I'm going to be going, but fingers crossed uh, that'll be the case. Uh, Carl says, uh, We should not waste our time with Joao Felix. Uh, there are players that fit our playing style better and give us better value. Wow, Carl, that's harsh. I actually think that of all the players that we've been linked to, Joao Felix's style and characteristics fit Arsenal very, very well. It's just the price tag um, that is a problem. Uh, Big White Clock, uh, make sure you say that properly, uh, says, Tom, you're misunderstanding budgeting. 100 million may be a no-go, but a 20-year-old for five years, 20 a year for five years is doable. Again, Arsenal sign, when they sign players, nine times out of 10, their deals are structured. So, we talk about saying, but we're going to structure this. We're still paying for transfer fees of players in the past. So despite us saying, oh, it's 100 million, we could do that over five years. No, we can't because we still need to sign players in the future. We're still paying off transfers from the past. I'm sorry, but the idea that Arsenal paying 100 million even over five years, it's just not realistic, mate. It's just not. So no, it still isn't within Arsenal's budget because we talk. That's why I say to you, please don't buy into these war chests uh, they have a £50 million budget to spend. No one knows how much Arsenal have to spend. No one knows how much Arsenal have to spend. I speculate, I think we might spend around maximum 50 to 60. That's that's just a, that's an estimation based on the players we're being linked with, based upon the spending of previous January transfer windows. That's how I think we might spend that much. But no one knows how much we will spend. No one knows how much we have available to spend. So uh, I'm not misunderstanding the budgeting at all, mate. Uh, Adrian says, which player you didn't know much about before the World Cup has impressed you? Uh, Lydouni in Tunisia was really impressed by him, as I've mentioned on the uh, the, uh, the show. But yesterday, Amrabat in midfield was absolutely brilliant for Morocco. Uh, and actually, he was brought up. Uh, I think Isowa and Deshans both brought up Amrabat on the spaces. Yes, oh, we did on Friday. On the Twitter space, they said that maybe he's someone that we should look at. At that time, I was like, mm, I'm not sure. But, you know, having watched that game, and I know that I shouldn't go off World Cup performances alone, but I'm assured that he, for Fiorentina, is also very good too. Maybe he's someone Arsenal should be thinking about, you know, as a, as a potential midfield option. Uh, he, he looks very, very good. But he is 26. So you're probably signing a player that you're not going to get much of a, a return on your investment. But who knows? I mean, I'm interested actually to kind of how long is bet is left on the players' contracts, but he was just so incredibly good uh, for Morocco yesterday. Sofian Amrabat, he has uh, until 2024, and he has an option of a further year as well. So I'd be very surprised um, if if they let him go now for a, a, you know less than a very very good fee. Um, let's go to a clockwork tangerine. Lots of clocks uh, in the chat box <laughs> today. Uh, do you think Kane's morale could be so low for the rest of the season that the spuds could now collapse? I doubt it. Players are pretty good at kind of compartmentalizing things. Uh, we got hope that Saka is able to compartmentalize this. 
you know, obviously I hope that Kane crashes and burns for Spurs this season. I really do. I don't want him to succeed for obvious reasons. But uh, when he's playing for England, I don't necessarily support him. I'm supporting England, that's for sure. It was a disappointment to see him miss that penalty but maybe it'll have an impact on the rest of his season for Tottenham. I hope that it does. Uh, Dave Links, uh, Lincoln says, uh, honestly, uh, why do we even talk about loan deals? No other big six team does them. Um, do no other big six team do loan deals? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if, if that's true or not. Chelsea all transfers. Let's check with the last time Chelsea did a loan deal. I'm curious. I'm not trying to prove you wrong, Dave. I'm just actually curious whether or not big teams uh, still do loan deals. Because I'm certain that... I mean, Liverpool this season have signed Adrian on loan, haven't they? Didn't they sign Adrian on loan um, in midfield? So I suppose that's one. Uh, loan fee... Romelu Lukaku was sent out on loan, but have they signed anyone on loan? Dennis Zakaria, Chelsea signed him on loan. I think they have an option to sign him. Last season, they brought in Sal Niguez from Atletico Madrid. So I guess, Dave, they do. I guess big six teams do sign players on loan. Um, maybe we just quickly forget about the players because they don't ever turn out to be good options. I mean, Adrian's not played for Liverpool. I know he's injured, but he wasn't really playing at the start anyway. Maybe he had an injury at the start as well. Sal had a really bad year uh, with, with Chelsea. Um, Zakaria as well is not having the best of years with Chelsea either. He's not playing. So whilst I think it's wrong to say that they don't do loan deals, it's probably fair to say that the loan opportunities out there for big six teams aren't that great. So there you go. Um, Vivian says, have you seen the abuse that Ben White is getting on some channels? It's disgusting and appalling. A, why would you even watch? <laughs> Come on. And two, uh, no, I've not seen it. Um, personally, uh, I wouldn't be tuning in to watch anything that was abusing Ben White. I imagine it's kind of done for attention more than anything else because, you know, we know Ben White's been brilliant for this, us this season and we've been asked to respect his privacy and, and I'm going to do that. I'm glad that he's back. Uh, Azarul says, hi, Tom. Just want to let you know that Tottenham are bottle jobs. Well, that's fine. You can let me know that anytime you like, mate. Uh, Lynn says, Tom, Harry knew there was going to be pressure. So do you think in hindsight, another player should have taken that second penalty. In hindsight, of course, you know, we've watched him miss the penalty. Of course, I think someone else should have taken the penalty. But in reality, I didn't want anyone else taking it. So, no. Uh, Temi says, would you take Kane if the opportunity arose? No. Uh, Gustav says, am I the only one who thinks Smith-Rowe and Mudrick have been the, have, are the same profile? Smith-Rowe has got sneakily really good pace. Um, I don't think they're the same profile, no. Um, but they have got some similar characteristics, for sure. But, you know, while I look at Mudrick as more of an out-and-out -out winger, I look at Smith-Rowe as more of a wide playmaker when he is played out wide. Uh, and obviously someone who can play more centrally if need be, or I don't see that with, with Mudrick in an attacking midfielder type of role. Uh, let's go to T, who says, thoughts on Ndika playing a six? Oh, what is this obsession? <laughs> you guys are now going to laugh at this. What is the obsession with us signing a centre-back and then putting him in midfield. Like, you know, Ben White was the first one. And, you know, if we were very desperate, I would do that. You know, if we were very, very desperate, if Partey was injured, if Elneny was injured, if Lukonga was injured, we can think about putting Ben White, you know, at six, sure. Maybe even if Lukonga's uh, not injured as well, maybe we can think about it. But... What, what is this obsession with buying a player as a centre-back and moving him into midfield? Because, I'm telling you, again, I'm not having a go at you. <laughs> it's just this question comes up a lot with different players and we get linked to them. Andika is a sick... Is, ah, <laughs> is a centre-back who has played 17 games at left-back. He has never played in midfield. 
let's stop putting <laughs> mid centre backs into midfield. If we want a midfielder, sign a midfielder. It's as simple as that. You know, it's as simple and as easy as that. I think a centre back playing midfield is very, very difficult to achieve. Whereas a centre defensive midfielder playing centre back, as we've seen with Rodri with Spain at the World Cup, is a much easier solution. The other way around is much harder. Um, just buy a midfielder <laughs> every time, every single time. T, yes, I have watched him because uh, I've been doing some research for a piece on him. So, yes, I've watched plenty. Um, Philip says, hard one wishing for mental health issues, even on Spurs players. I don't want Kane to score again. Yeah, look, that's not what we're asking for. The kind of thing was discussed about whether or not it would be a mental implication of him obviously missing that penalty. In short, I don't want him to succeed for Spurs. Uh, you know, I don't want him to suffer any kind of mental health issues. That is not what we're discussing. But of course, if he is indeed down from the World Cup and can't respond from the disappointment of the World Cup, that's not going to be beneficial to Spurs, which in turn is going to be beneficial for Arsenal. Um, Esmond says, hi, Tom. We should have uh, bought a few of these Moroccan players. They're good. Should we have bought Ziyech and replaced Saka with him? Is that what you're saying? I'm only joking. Um, Lona says, do you see Kroenke spending big because we're uh, in first place? Would that surprise you? Um, I think we are expected to kind of take the opportunity that we have. I am expecting Arsenal will take advantage of where we are in the table. And that is what I'm hoping that we'll achieve and what I'm expecting us to do. It, and as I said on the space the other day, if Arsenal don't attack this January window, you know, we've been saying it since, what, September, October. We've been saying this throughout the course of this season. The January transfer window is so important to this season because we couldn't do all of our business in the summer. You know, we wanted to bring in a winger. Then Elneny got injured and we pivoted and we tried to sign a midfielder. Our business wasn't completed this summer. We didn't do everything that we wanted to do in the summer window. And so from the moment that window closed, all of us were sitting on this channel and saying, January, we have to attack the January window. We have to utilise the January window. And we have been saying it across this season. And we have been saying that it cannot be just anyone. If Arsenal signed somebody in January, Arsenal have to sign somebody who is of significant quality and that can compete with the starting squad. And that's why I'm having these back and forth doubts about signing Danilo, because I'm not sure that Danilo can come in and provide competition. I watch Mudrik and I see a player that I think can come in and have competition with the team, with the players that are in the team at the moment. And that is the problem. Uh, that is the issue that we have right now is that we need to make sure that we sign quality. And the problem with the January window is that historically, stereotypically, it is just not a window that is associated with really strong, good signings on a regular occasion. It is a risk to sign someone in January. It is difficult to sign someone of quality in January. And it doesn't happen all that often. It does happen, but it doesn't happen all that often. Um, Marcus says, are you confident that we'll sign players? Remember when Leicester won the title? Yeah, I am confident. You know, I'm confident that Arsenal will get business done this winter. I am confident. I, I have been led to believe based on what we've done, based on what we're trying to do, based on who we're interested in, based on what is going on behind the scenes, that I am confident Arsenal will get a player or two in this winter. Um, Jesse says, a Felix loan with an option is actually perfect for us. Bring in Mudrick and a decent midfielder and we're contenders. Champions League money incoming. Think you're underestimating the reality of our position. <laughs> I don't know how underestimating the reality of our position. We're five points clear. We need to attack this window. We need to bring in quality. Absolutely, we can bring some of the business forward from the summer. I think you're underestimating how ridiculous of a transfer fee Ralph Felix has attached to him and how unlikely it is that Arsenal are going to break the transfer record after the last time that they did it, brought in a player that has done 
really, really underwhelming things for Arsenal and Nicolas Pepe. So, you know, I, I just don't see how I'm underestimating this window or our position because I've said time after time, I understand that everyone doesn't tune in for every single minute that I talk on the channel. I get that. But I have to appreciate that I can't go off that all the time. I say that we are top of the table. We need to take this window by storm. If we don't take it by storm, I'm going to be very frustrated. But I'm also of a position and understanding that the January window is an exceptionally challenging window to get really good business done in. It's just a reality of the situation. I'm also of the opinion that we do not waste this window as well. It needs to be used and spots need to be filled correctly. We can't just go out and bring in Zaha or bring in Memphis to Pyre and sensibly fill a spot for two or three years with a position that we need to make sure that we sign quality and it's going to last us because those two players in particular, I'm not sure bring us those guarantees or a declining like Zaha will be over the next two to three years. If you tell me that we can bring in Zaha for six months or Depay for six months, I have no strings attached. Absolutely. You know, I've got no problem with that. It's a six month, no risk thing for me. But the problem is those players are going to want two plus year contracts. And I just can't get on board with that at the moment. Um, what happened with Neto, says Max Stays Black. Um, what happened with Neto was that he got injured. <laughs> he's on a long-term injury now and he's out. Uh, and I think still will be out into next season, uh, next year. So that's why that has died down. Uh, Raphael says, hi, Tom. Many thanks for a great show. I enjoy watching your show and the Chronicles of Aguna, Hybrid Squad and AFTV. Would all of you be doing a, a special show in the near future? It would be awesome. Uh, of course, me and Sophie do a podcast every single week now. Uh, those go up for you on Wednesdays. Uh, hopefully, we'll be recording the next one on Tuesday after, of course, Arsenal played their next game against AC Milan. So we've got plenty to talk about on that one. Uh, and Harry and me do a show all the time. We do the Harry, the Canton and Simu show. Um, and of course, Mayor TV, you know, we've spoken to people like James, who's fantastic. Really love James. He does his work over there. Lee Judges comes on the show. Uh, Turkish comes on the show. Enjoy their company. think they've got some really good views on football. So, uh, yes, I've done collaborations with loads of them. Um, so, yeah, please feel free to go and search back through the channel. You'll be able to find those episodes with relative ease, uh, to be fair. Um Ronald says, with Jesus able to play striker and right wing and us signing uh, a left wing like Mudrik or Gakpo, who would you sign for a striker? I don't know. <laughs> I, I genuinely don't know. I don't know what striker I would sign. Uh, and that's why I don't think the striker market this January is good enough. I would wait until the summer and see kind of what opportunities are there. Is Gonzalo Ramos someone that we could potentially look at? I'd love to see Arsenal go for someone like him, but I think he's going to be very, very expensive. Um, might Joao Felix's price come down by the summer? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, I think that, you know, that is something that could be considered in the summer because his price might be very different. It's about finding the right opportunities. You know, sometimes we get so blinded. Um, we get so blinded by the desperate desire and want of a brand new toy. You know, we use the, um, we use the, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the language of, you know, the new toy syndrome is what I describe it as. We get so blinded by the desperation to bring in somebody that sometimes that can blind us from bringing in the right or wanting the right player. And I think that we've done that in the past. Uh, you know, you think about Denis Suarez in the January window when we brought him in. Uh, you think about Nicolas Pepe. You know, did we really do our due diligence with Nicolas Pepe? He was playing in a system that was completely different to Arsenal and stylistically just clashed with everything that we were doing, even at the time under Emery. So... I just don't think that signing anybody for the sake of signing anybody is ever clever. But what I'm saying is that we have to find a solution this window. 
So we have to find somebody. And there are opportunities, I think, this, this winter. I think there are chances for us to sign someone. I don't think it's like last January uh, in 2021. Last January, it was stark. It was bare. It was barren. You know, for, for, for genuine options, it was pretty barren. This January, I think there's chances. And we've got to be sensible. Uh, and we've got to be sensible about what we are asking for. And expecting Arsenal to spend £100 million in January is not going to happen. Expecting Arsenal to bring in two £50 million players, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, we've just come off the back of a £40-plus million pound loss after last year's £60-plus million pound loss. And yes, we're moving in the right direction regarding our finances. But you, the expectation for us to spend £100 million in January and break the record for a January spending. You know, the record spending in January is £90 million, which was Newcastle last season, a team with new backing and a team with no financial restrictions because they've barely spent a thing. So FFP is not even looking at them. I know FFP is a joke, but they're under no financial restriction or whatever. They can pretty much do what they like. Before that, I think it was 2011 was the next highest spend in January, which gives you kind of a good idea about what happens in January and how much is spent in January, realistically. So we can all sit behind our keyboards and rant and rave and scream and shout at our computer screen and saying, we should be spending upwards. We're in a title race, blah, 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 blah. But in reality... When you get your head screwed on, you realise that it's just not like that. It's just not It's just not the way things work. But we need to make sure that we utilise this opportunity that exists. Um, so that, you, that that is as simple as that. A Blue World says 100 million in January is what we need. Will we do it? No. It might be what we need. It's what, it's what forests need. It's what wolves need. You know, what a team needs and what is realistic and what can happen are two very, very separate things. And again, we can all be frustrated and we all can, we can all can misunderstand and act uneducated about the world of football and just say, yeah, but we need this. And it's very easy to kind of build momentum and build uh, clamour and build, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Momentum's probably key. You know, you can build quite a big following off saying things that everyone wants to hear. You know, you look at some of the politicians <laughs> around the world have made a lifetime of doing it. But in reality, and if you speak reality, it's not as easy. And that's actually why I'm very proud of the community that we've built here, because I feel we've built it in a way which is grounded and objective. And I think that we're doing it in the right way. But it's not going to come from screaming and saying, well, you know, if, we, if we're title contenders, if Stan Kroenke really cares, he'd chuck a 200 million Arsenal's way. Sure. But it's just not going to happen, is it? It's just not realistic. You know, it's it's very difficult. Ronald says, sorry, Tom, uh, I meant a striker for the summer. Um Again, I prefer to kind of wait because the situation where we are right now in January and the lay of the transfer window right now and the lay of the land right now is different to then. So it's difficult to kind of look at things. Again, keep your eye on Gonzalo Ramos. People who've watched the channel for the last couple of years know I've talked about him way before this World Cup. Why? Because I've actually interviewed him. So, you know, I, I think that there are strikers out there that we need to think about, look to um, and keep your eye on. But it'd be impossible for me to kind of suggest something now and then expect it um to be the same in the summer you know things i say six months ago compared to now you know i look back on things i said maybe even a week ago in some cases and think hmm, on, upon reflection maybe that wasn't the right thing you know again something that gets looked down by so many people is is changing your mind on things but uh it is what it is can i also i didn't discuss this when i talked about Saka, and i actually feel bad that i didn't talk about it because i talked about it last night at twitter but it still saddens me. And I said I was going to do a shorter show. I suddenly feel invigorated um, <laughs> getting wound up about Arsenal and wound up about this topic in particular. Yesterday, of course, when Saka was eliminated with England from the World Cup, um, 
I, you know, I, I'm an Arsenal fan before things first. So I was, I got over it quick, pretty quickly. And in the evening, I jumped onto Saka's Instagram just to see kind of the reaction. Um, because of course, we all know what happened last year in 2021 after the World Cup, after the Euro final and after that penalty shootout. And uh, once again, it is just so demoralizing. It's really demoralizing uh, and sad to see the racist comments that come up. Um, when scrolling through his comment section. And I had a number of conversations with people on social media yesterday about that, about this. And in one case, I was really disappointed to be described as a clout chaser for talking about this problem, for tweeting about this problem. person's probably listening to this show right now and is probably getting great joy over the fact that I'm bringing it up on this show as well. I won't do them the service of shouting their name out, but... This, this for me is a real issue. Like the idea that somebody who is out there um, making uh, these things heard, and I do my best, and you guys know I do my absolute best to raise these issues, to talk about issues, to talk my honest opinion um, and highlight problems. To, to, so it's so it's so frustrating to be described as someone that's, quote, clout chasing when I'd get people on the channel who talk about racism, I get people who are obviously from different heritages and backgrounds to talk about it because that's what we should be doing is giving the mic to other people of different backgrounds to talk about these issues. But there is also part of me that thinks, you know, how many people through history have um, tackled these problems when things unfortunately not changing enough? Big, big changes have been made. We absolutely have done that. And society is a very different place than it was then. But there is also part of me that thinks, you know, it's going to take a, a white guy sitting on a screen to talk about the problems of other white people and, you know, the problems of racists around the world, unfortunately, to to make differences. And I believe that. I believe that, it's, you know, it's it's powerful and I think it's important that we do that. It's not about clout chasing. It's not about putting yourself on a pedestal. It's not about trying to look like some moral saint. It's It's me having the utmost belief that it takes as many people as possible, no matter what colour you are, to talk about it. And especially I feel as though, as a white guy, talking about this is more important. Because I am in a very privileged position to be white. You know, I've never experienced racism. I've never experienced it in my life. You know, I'm a very privileged person in a sense, you know, because I've never experienced racism. I'm never going to experience homophobia. I'm never going to experience sexism. You know, it's it's just not going to happen. So I feel as that, you know, I feel the the absolute weight of having not weight, it's not a weight, it's not um it's not a burden, it's the wrong word. I feel the motivation to talk about it. Um and so yeah, I was really disappointed yesterday uh to be described like that. And I was really disappointed, more disappointed, of course, to see the comments uh in his in Saka's comment section still. Uh, there's an argument that was going around saying it was people from abroad that weren't English that were leaving these comments. A, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter where the racism coming from, whether they're England fans or whether they're from abroad. It doesn't matter where they're from. As long as it exists, it's a problem. And social media companies should be doing more to tackle it, you know. Um, and secondly, the naivety to believe that someone could not create an Instagram account or a Twitter account or whatever account and pretend to be from somewhere else, 
pretend to not be an England fan and leave a racist comment. The naivety to believe that wouldn't happen is, is startling. So, yeah, it's exceptionally disappointing. I don't do this to get nice comments. And, you know, all these people that are leaving these comments in the chat box saying, well said, whatever, you know, take the energy of saying well said to me. Take the energy of and congratulating people for, for talking about racism, and I appreciate it. But take that energy and go out into the world and do the same thing. Discourage it, report it, stand up to it, support people who face it. That's all we can do. Am I a saint? No. Have I said things when I was younger? Have I said things in the past that when I was uneducated about things? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I don't want to see people who've made racist remarks locked up. I don't want them to see them um, put away. I want to see them educated because that's how we change things. That's how I changed who I am and my views on, on lots of different topics by education. You know, that's that's the difference. That's what I want to see. There are some people that are beyond help. I understand that. Absolutely. There are some people that you aren't ever going to be able to change the mind of and too far gone. You know, that's just the way the world is. Some people are just too far gone. Um, but always first should come education. It has to come the education. because the only way that we are going to, to change this, to change this problem is by talking about it. So I will continue to talk about it. I will continue to bring it up. I will continue to face uh, labels of clout chasing because, frankly, that's secondary far, far down the letter alphabet, not even more secondary, tertiary, quaternary, whatever you want to say, you know, the main thing is that we continue to highlight these things. The main thing is that I do go on to Saka's Instagram comments after a defeat to see if this is still a problem and continue to talk about it. If indeed it is and after the game yesterday, it still was. So, you know, thoughts are with you, Saka, and of course, anyone else who have suffered that racist abuse in the uh, England national team after that game. Um, we're not all like that. We are... 99% of us, and I really hope it is 99% and more uh, of us, are behind uh, Saka and everyone else as well that's faced that problem. Um, so there you go. Anyway, as I say, thank you for the kind comments in the chat, but take that energy and put it out into the world. Don't put it into my chat box. Put it out into the world. Call people out for it. If you see it online, report it. If you see it in stadiums, report it. Stand up to it. Face it. You know, if someone is being racist in a crowd, and I've heard stories from people at the Emirates who've seen people doing it, I've seen people in other stadiums that have been seen or heard doing it. Stand up to them, report them, do what you need to do. That's the only way that we change things. Are you yourself maybe guilty of things in the past? Maybe. Are you a different person now? That's what counts. You know, you know, no one's perfect. And we've all made mistakes because of what things used to be in the past. It's about how you are now. It's about how you act things, how you react to things, how you change yourself, all those things. So, yes. Um, and I don't mind going on an extra 10 minutes to talk about that because, frankly, 10 minutes isn't close to how long we should be using to talk about these things. Um, but thank you so much for listening. Um, thank you for everybody that's tuned into the show and supports things, as always. And, uh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> uh, Franklin says, to get rid of racism, we have to start talking about it is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Yes. Um, the amount of people I see that just want to kind of box it up, put it away. Let's not talk about it. You know, why are we highlighting it? Why, you know, we're highlighting it because it exists. We're highlighting it because it's there. We're highlighting it because we need to show the world who these, who these people are, you know, whether it's, and if you're, you know, if you're making excuses in my mind, it is just as bad because it's not doing the work to try and prevent it from happening. 
So if your energy is going into calling people woke, which I've had happen on a number of occasions in a number of comment sections, I think I saw a comment a month ago that was like, Tom, I'm worried you're falling into the woke category. I always kind of ask people, what does woke mean? Because to me, sometimes when the word woke comes up, they're usually pretty nice people that are just being told that they're, you know, trying to stop something bad from happening. <laughs> you know, I get that there's very, you know, extremes at both ends of the spectrum. But goodness me, someone trying to stop weight, uh, racism being called woke as some kind of apologist is is madness. Um, so, yeah, do what you can, people. Support the right causes. And uh, hopefully we can try and kick this problem. Uh, yeah, there we go. Thank you guys uh, for tuning in. I appreciate your time. As always, if you've enjoyed it, you know, you can come back tomorrow morning and uh, I'll be here at 8am and uh, I'll be working today, doing more work on Football London, more fallout, of course, from the game and uh, looking ahead more so to more players returning. Ben White's back. Fantastic. Thomas Partey's back. Fantastic. Matt Turner's back. Fantastic. Um, really, really um, appreciate that. So, yeah, we will see you guys very soon. Have a fantastic day. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.